Hi guys, it's Abu Bakr and welcome back to Thoughts at 30. I have a quick life update. I've quit my work in Chicago and taken an exciting opportunity here in Islamabad that was too good to turn down. So my life is going to be here in Pakistan for the immediate future. I will go into details about all this in a future episode, but what I want to talk about today is far more important. Listeners, there's been a dark cloud over Islamabad for the past two months. Yes, a literal dark cloud because of the monsoon, but also figuratively. It's the end of summer, but the air is chilly. There's an eerie silence in an already notoriously quiet city. Two months ago, in a house maybe five minutes away from me, a man murdered and beheaded a girl. Both were around my age, and both were friends with a lot of my friends. Islamabad is a small city, and almost everyone knows everyone. The barbaric nature of this murder, and the fact that it's so close to home, social circle-wise, has left people like me in Islamabad in a bit of a trance. How did this happen? How was a person who was capable of something like that friends with so many people we know? Did nobody notice any problematic signs? Was this person always normal in social settings? Could we have done anything to stop this? I found myself thinking these things and asking myself these questions regularly. Zahir was a killer's name. I had met him three different times in football grounds through other people. A lot of my friends regularly socialize with them. So what does this mean? How many Zahirs are among us? Listeners, if you've followed this podcast since the beginning, then one common theme is that life is a series of lessons. And wisdom and understanding is gained from reflection. And empathy is gained from listening, really listening. The days following the murder made me realize that sometimes you haven't listened at all. And the same lesson needs to be learned twice and sometimes even thrice. After the murder, I found my female friends in Islamabad in a state of shock and fear far severer than mine. Many for a while weren't able to properly speak to their male friends, and a couple even needed time away from me. As upsetting as this was initially, the more I thought about it and listened to them, the more I ended up thinking, of course they should feel afraid. What else are they supposed to feel? No different than the rest of the world, in Pakistan we have a society built upon misogyny, but with its own unique problems. Gender inequality is clear to the eye if you go around rural Pakistan, but it manifests itself differently in urban centers in high society. If you took a stroll through the posh parts of Islamabad, for example, you will see men and women driving, walking, in parks, in restaurants, in cafes, mingling together. Compared to less affluent parts of the country, this can come across as modern, safe, inclusive, and almost egalitarian. 
Statistics say that one in four women in the United States has experienced physical abuse. In Pakistan, this number is estimated to be as high as three in five. And as far as the women I know personally, as someone who grew up here, it's 100%. I don't want to speak for women, but therefore, in my experience, women only feel truly safe in very few surroundings uh, in Pakistan that involve men. And one of those situations is with male friends who they built trust with over many years. And then something like this happens. The victim, Noor, was friends with Zahir for years. Their families were friends. They shared friends. She trusted him and felt safe around him. And then this happened. So then what are women supposed to do? Where are they supposed to go? And how are they supposed to feel safe? Listeners, I remember growing up, some of my earliest memories were about noticing how boys and girls were treated differently. I remember having arguments with my family members in my teens about how boys were getting so much preference and girls always had to do twice the work and prove themselves. In my head, it was common sense that everything should be exactly the same because Boys and girls were both human beings who had feelings. Life should be fair. Three years ago, Gillette posted an ad on YouTube that was aimed at tackling toxic masculinity. I remember watching the ad and feeling very attacked. I thought to myself, why is this brand that has been objectifying women for decades and selling them the same product for more money than men policing me on how to behave. Why is it saying all men? I posted my comments publicly and argued with a lot of women about it. I was so sure I was right because in my head I was telling myself I've been talking about equality since I was a kid. I argued with family members about equality since I was a teenager. I've been donating to women's organizations in college. No razor company or even other women should be telling me how to act or feel. And that was a problem, listeners. My views came from a place of pride and privilege, and not from a place of actual empathy. A few months later, I found myself in Islamabad and decided to attend the 2019 Aurat The Aurat March is an annual march come demonstration in the major cities of Pakistan in parallel with the Me Too movement on International Women's Day. The march calls for more accountability for violence against women and to support women who experience violence and harassment at the hands of security forces, in public spaces, at home, and in the workplace. This is where all changed. This was my first time attending anything like this. Women had traveled miles to be part of this, and their stories were so moving and so tragic, and and the women there had been harassed and assaulted and abused by employers, friends, family, and even parents. When they sought help from the law, law enforcement did the same thing to them. And when they sought help from the state, the state did even worse and refused to pass any laws or bills to protect them. Being part of something like this made me realize how wrong I was. How thinking you're a feminist does not make you one. 
How feeling like an ally does not make you one. How you never know it all, and how true compassion and support comes from a place of humility. How empathy comes from listening, and how you can never really truly understand how somebody who comes from a place of oppression feels because you haven't lived that life. The closest you can get is by spending time with them and listening to them, and it pains me to say, believing them. I've known people who've never understood why women were so angry during these demonstrations and why they were so aggressive in their speeches or placards. Perhaps even I've wondered this in the past. But being there, these thoughts never crossed my mind and it was actually rather pretty obvious. When you are systemically, mentally, and physically assaulted and you fear for your life and sanity on a daily basis, when you are treated as less in all personal and financial matters and a state in law are complicit, what are you supposed to do? I felt immense frustration and anger as a man in this protest, and I could only imagine how women felt. After this march, I took some time to reflect on my comments about the Gillette ad. And I kept thinking how hurtful my words and comments must have been. Women are fighting a global mindset every day, and I was triggered by a single advertisement that was sharing their point of view, no matter who the company was. I started to think to myself, why did the idea of all men trigger me? And the reason it did was because I was so sure of myself. I was so sure I was on the right side because I felt like a feminist since I was a kid, and so the idea of being challenged bothered me. And the lessons I learned following all this are proof that you can always learn. All men can learn. And until repeatedly proven otherwise to women, all men have to be considered a threat. And that brings us back to present-day Islamabad. To the women here, yes, it is all men. And as a man, for that reason, I feel complicit. What happened in Islamabad two months ago could not have happened without our collective apathy as men. Earlier on, I asked, were there not any problematic signs when it came to Zahir? And the truth is, there always are. We all have friends who say problematic things. Does that mean everyone is a murderer? No. But this culture of silence and acceptance must stop. When someone or anyone displays the most casual signs of sexism, we men need to call it out. Even when someone says something like, oh, you throw like a girl, or like, or don't be a girl, let's call that out. When someone shows typical toxic masculine traits like an overly short temper or a lot of unnecessary aggression, we should say something. And most importantly, if a female friend says a man we know makes her uncomfortable, we should listen. Because by not believing people, undermining what they say, by saying nothing for whatever silly reasons like to avoid awkwardness or confrontation, I think we are enabling and normalizing bad behavior.
After Noor's murder, a friend of hers started a campaign on social media in which she invited people to call out men from Islamabad who were abusive to women. The results of this were shocking. Hundreds of men were exposed. There was barely a single person in Islamabad who wasn't friends with or related to someone who had mentally or physically abused women, me included. What this means is that every other man in this city treated women like their property, without any regard of their mental or physical well-being. And what this also means is that the other men didn't do anything about it. Listeners, despite thinking I knew it all when it came to women's issues, I speak today in front of you as a failure. And I'm sorry. This is what I meant when I said sometimes you need to be taught the same lesson three times. A girl in Islamabad was killed. And if us men were brave enough to call out every instance of misogyny we have witnessed in this city, she might not have been. Maybe if enough people spoke about Zahir's behavior, this might not have happened. The word Noor is the Arabic word for light. Through this incident and the events after, our society has now put a mirror on us and shown us a reflection of ourselves and shined a light on our faces. We cannot let things go the way they are. We have to learn from this. In all my 30 years of being alive, this is perhaps the most important lesson I'm trying to learn. And it just goes to show you that you can never rest thinking you know everything. Each one of us, especially men, have a responsibility to listen, empathize, and speak up. If something a woman is speaking about seems too angry to you, too confrontational to you, or too controversial to you, perhaps this time you should ask yourself, why? What events took place in her life to bring her to say what she did say? instead of criticizing it. As men in Islamabad, our most basic privilege today is simply the fact that we aren't living in fear every moment. Let's use this advantage to do whatever we can to make women feel safer here and not let our collective apathy result in something as dark and horrific as we witnessed. We have let a society come to fruition that takes women for granted. But the way out and the answers to this are in front of us. They have always been. We need to stand today with Noor's family as a trial begins shortly. And we need to speak up to protect other women in the future. We must emerge from the darkness. And there is enough light. But for those who wish to see it. In the beginning of her book, their eyes were watching God. American writer Zora Neale Hurston wrote, Ships at a distance have every man's wish on board. For some, they come in with the tide. 
For others, they sail forever on the same horizon, never out of sight. Never landing until the watcher turns his eyes away in resignation. His dreams mocked to death by time. That is the life of men. Now women forget all those things they don't want to remember and remember everything they don't want to forget. The dream is the truth. They then act and do things accordingly. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next week.